Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today. Hey guys, turkey season is in full swing right now, and if you are planning on getting after it, make sure to pick up some Meat Eater Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls, and I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls or diaphragms, I like them because it gives you hand-free calling, meaning when you're working a bird up close... You can have your gun on your knee, finger on the trigger, ready to roll, and still be making turkey sounds. I like pot calls because I just like pot calls. I enjoy calling with a pot call. Whatever direction you go, including a box call, which I don't personally use too much, but they're fun and great, and I started out with them. Yanni, on the other hand, one of my main turkey hunting buddies, he loves box calls. And what's funny is I'll now and then look to him and give them the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey. So it's not that I don't like them. I just have Yanni use his. Then I don't have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Presented by First Light, creating proven, versatile hunting apparel from merino base layers to technical outerwear for every hunt. First Light, go farther, stay longer. Okay, this is a a special... um, Love episode. <laughs> it's like the love boat. From we're in southeast Alaska at our uh, at our family uh, fish shack with a whole bunch of people. A lot of people are familiar with. And uh, Seth has tell everybody. Seth's got big news. Went against my um went against my suggestion. No, I didn't. Yeah, I did. I said do it at the waterfall. No, you had a couple of suggestions. One of them being at the lake, and one of them being at the waterfall. Oh, I did. Yeah. Tell them what happened. Um, I proposed to Kelsey. And I said yes. So the wild, yeah, he proposed to the wildlife artist, uh, Kelsey Johnson. Yep. Is that fair? Wildlife artist? Just artist. Artist, painter. Um, yeah, Western artist. I Tell everybody you your say. Instagram thing so they can look at oh, your man. stuff. Um, K underscore Ray Artworks. But Ray is spelled weird. R-A-E. Hey, no, no one would know that. If you've been, listen, if you've been running around <laughs> your whole life telling people K Ray... They're not finding it. Yeah, there's a demographic of people out there that have been looking for me this whole time. And they they think it's R-A-Y. Yeah, right. But no, that's... Tell everybody again. um, K underscore Ray, R-A-E, Artworks with an S. Yeah. Western wildlife painter. Very, yeah, very beautiful stuff. Thank you. And you have a a piece that you're donating to our... uh, We haven't launched it yet, but our 
auction house of oddities. I do oil painting of a bighorn ram, kind of portrait style. Mm-hmm. That'll be in there. You should go check out her work and buy some. But anyways, you said yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> cried. Ugly cried. How long have you guys been dating? What, three years? Almost three years, yeah. What I told Seth to do, well, we kicked around a handful of things. He was going to stick the ring. Explain that ring again. Um, it's a white buffalo, which is like a, people aren't familiar, it's like a white turquoise looking stone, which is my favorite. Um, and it's three rings. It's ha- surrounded by a setting made by Adorn Smith & Co., Emerson Graves. Okay. She's my favorite jeweler. Um, it's really pretty. It's just one of a kind. I did custom made. Custom made. <laughs> you know, a lot of people when you're getting married, they'll come out and they'll play that. Here comes the bride. Ugh. You should be playing Great White Buffalo, Nugent's Great White Buffalo. <laughs> I like it. Dude, Can you play my wedding? Man. Come out with that <laughs> ring, pumping that ring in there. <laughs> uh, Seth was thinking about putting a putting that ring into a halibut stomach or a lingcod stomach, and then yeah. having you there and gutting it, and then being like, he's gonna be like, let's see what it ate. Yeah, the answer <laughs> might have been like, what, different. What do we have here? Well, well, well. My, or I told him, take you up to the waterfall mm-hmm. and have that ring just setting in the gravel there. Sounds dangerous. And then he'd come up and be like, well, look at that little shiny little nugget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we yeah we threw around a bunch of ideas. But you took her up to the lake. Took her up to the lake. It was pouring rain. Mm-hmm. We uh, paddled across the cove on... On in the canoe, and Chet and Danielle came with us. Danielle's a wedding photographer, so you hid in the bushes. She hid in the bushes. The timing on this is pretty amazing because, um, uh, Chester, I understand that right at the moment, uh, you found an old boat, and under that boat was a fishing rod, and so you decided to take a poke. There were two of them, yeah, and I I knew they were gonna propose. He was gonna propose, but you were getting bored. There. But I found the fishing rod. He's Chester, like, all right, buddy, let's let's get on with it. Chester pulled a Chester move. And yep. you took a cast right at that moment. I yep. made a cast and it went zing. And I look over and cast. Seth is on one knee. <laughs> and I quick reeled in and ran over there. <laughs> well, uh, why the group deal? Most people do it privately. No, they don't. They don't do it privately. They do it at like baseball stadiums. And yeah, stuff. yeah, like a big splash. I saw a news story the other day about a dude who got down on one knee in front of the, got out on the stadium. Did you see this? Mm-mm. No. It's horrible. Uh, it, it, somehow he gets his girlfriend or whatever out on the, like the pitcher's mound or something, like out yeah. in front of the whole damn, what do you call it, at a baseball game? Stadium. 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 And uh, there's all these cell phone videos of it. He gets down on one knee. Uh-oh. She puts her hands over her face and runs away. Oh, brutal. See, I can't do that here because... She was not... Not because she was nervous. She didn't want to marry that she guy. Yeah, see, I, I trapped her. She had nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. She said no. She's like... She's in an awkward spot. Got right. Call, <laughs> call she wants to leave. She better call the float plane. <laughs> got to paddle back. I asked Seth what he was going to do if you said no, and then here you two are stuck up here. Yeah. He said he's just going to fish. Yeah. Which is what he did anyway. Right. <laughs> so it's like kind of the same plan. Same turnout. <laughs> like, well, it being the exact same plan. Yeah. No, gonna... I asked him about a hundred times if he was serious. That was my reaction. Why do you want to be married to Seth so bad? I love him. No. Yeah. Aw. He's a lovable guy. I love him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, why? More stuff about love, though. I don't know if I can talk about this. I'll just talk about it. If she gets mad at me, she gets mad at me. Do you remember Taylor Thorne, right? She taught me and Yanni how to do the... Were you there, Cal, when we did the three-gun thing? Oh, yeah, yeah, No, you were out of town or something like that. 
I I uh, bailed at the last minute. You didn't do ammo, it. Ammo shortage. Yeah. We'll call it. <laughs> uh, Taylor Thorne tossed through the three gun video. Yep. Or tossed through three gun. We made a video. Like a bazillion people watched the video of us doing the three gun thing, including some fireman who took a shine to her and they just eloped. Wow. Really? And she said that um, in some way she has to give us credit. Huh. Well, that's great. She said she does stuff fast. Shoots fast, gets married fast. I was gonna say that wasn't that wasn't that long ago when you guys did that, right? No, they eloped. By credit, she means dowry. So that, oh. that fireman owes us a chunk, just a little, chunk, little chunk of his pension, chunk of fire month. hose, chunk yeah. of pension, something. Oh, the other thing. So yeah, the cabin, the shack of love. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if you want to get the details there, Andy. No, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> Joy, you, you, well, you haven't been on the show in forever. Andrew, Chef Andrew Radulowski. Yeah, he comes up here every year and cooks at the fish shack. VIP of the weekend. Yeah. Oh, he, he, may, he, he may or may not have gotten lucky at the shack once. <laughs> <laughs> many, many years ago. <laughs> decades ago. Uh, my brother Danny got married here. Uh, my brother Matt realized he had to break up with one of his girlfriends up here. I know. I which was, he says offsets the love vibe. I was telling Matt my plan for up here. And he went on to tell me all about the times he broke up with women and had bad things with women happen to him up here. Yeah. His current wife doesn't come up here. Is that not, why? It's his only wife, not his current wife, the only one he's ever been married to. Is that why? Because oh, it's no, been she's disastrous. Busy in the summer. I don't know. And right there, like 20 feet away from here, we decided uh, the, the year my brother Danny got married, me and my wife, standing right there next to the boat, uh, decided to uh, try having a baby. Right next to the boat. Right there. <laughs> no, like, you know, I like, came to the decision. <laughs> right on the rocks next to the right boat. Right on the rocks. Came to the decision. Was the tide going out or coming in? You know, I can't remember. I could probably look back at the photography and, and look at the rocks and stuff and try to tell if they looked like it was coming or going. I, I, I think uh, that Andrew, Chef Andrew Radulowski's cooking prowess is something to note, but it, it goes far beyond just coming up here to the shack and cook. Guys out there marking halibut spots. He's got a uh, a jigging stroke that mm-hmm. strike fear <laughs> oh. into any halibut out there. Squares off to his fishing pole. Knows his crabbing. Knows Gotta his shrimping. Gotta mm-hmm. stick him. Um, any more you want to say about yourself? Current situation or anything? Things new since you've been on, Andy? Well, yeah, it's been a little bit. Um, no, still plugging away. Glad to be here. You know. Well, I mean, on the love note, let's at least say like. The only He's person I have ever met that has taken a Pulaski and carved a trail between between uh, his lady friend's house and his own. He's yeah. so in love that they moved into houses next to each other. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> keeps it keeps it fresh, you know. That way you don't got to worry about when you see something laying on the floor, you just know it's yours. Yeah, you don't yeah. even think it's their their thing. Oh, where we're sitting right now? So we're on Prince Wales Island, and this is interesting because. This is a long. This is a long burning debate. We're on Prince Wales Island right now. So if you if you're familiar with the town of Ketchikan and went due west out of Ketchikan, um, Ketchikan's on Revilla Island, and you went due west of there, you'd wind up out at Prince Wales Island. If you went east of Ketchikan, you'd wind up kind of in the, in the Panhandle or the like the sorry not the Panhandle. You'd wind up in British Columbia. So we're down in that neck of the woods, southeast Alaska. The islands out here have a there, there's a wolf. The wolves live out here. Some people will just say they're regular old wolves. 
some people say they're a special wolf called the Alexander Archipelago Wolf. And they are edging closer to Endangered Species Act protection. And it's been a contentious thing because you have wolves, a very healthy population of wolves that aren't on this island 20 miles from here. Do you, do they get to be separate? Like, do they get to be regarded as their own thing because they're archipelago wolves? Right. Are there there defining features? They eat a lot of salmon. And, uh, yeah, yeah, defining features and and then uh, defining habits that would separate them from mainland wolves, to put it simply. Yep. Uh, My brother, who's a, my brother Danny, who's a biologist in Alaska, not referring to this, but he said of taxonomy, he said, you have your lumpers. And you have your splitters, and they know who they are. Um, splitting, like this in this case, splitting. So in this case, saying like, "Hey, these are different wolf." Splitting is always it, it, splitting is often used as an environmental tool in the old toolbox for environmental battles, right? Where if you can point to anything and say that and make an argument that it's endemic or separate you can usually get protections for landscapes. And you'll find the industry is usually trying to be like, eh, nothing different about that wolf. Same old wolf. There's a bunch of them over here. Who cares about those ones? It's like an ongoing. Yes. There might be cases where industry wants to separate, but generally industry and commercial interests like to lump. And they want to be like, as long as there's a bunch of wolves somewhere, who cares? And I imagine out here, this archipelago region, the issue would be uh, habitat destruction, like timber. Yeah, timber harvest. I would imagine would be the number one thing. Uh, I I cannot imagine uh, anybody saying like all the wolves come in here and eat all the salmon, um, and there's no real dense like livestock type of agriculture for conflict, which is kind of like the main yeah. Main the deal the main conflict stuff, is so. the main human conflict is competition for deer. Yeah. So they did a, you know, they have around here, they have various seasons and they, they loosened the wolf hunting season and, uh, people got a lot of wolves recently. It kind of shocked people how quickly they got so many wolves, which made people think there's more wolves than typical. But anyways, this has been a long simmering thing, but yeah, if you have an Island and the Island's 10 miles away from another Island and that Island's 10 miles away from the mainland or whatever the hell, is it fair to say that the things that live there are their own species. Have these wolves always been on this island? Yeah. Forever. Yeah. Swam out here. However the hell they got here. Yeah. You know, uh, interesting deal. You know how people used to, there used to be a theory about human migrations that that humans crossed, the first humans, the first Americans crossed the Bering Land Bridge yep. and then uh, then approached the, what's now the lower 48 through the mid-continent. They used to have this idea that it was an ice-free corridor and that humans must have emerged down to the Great Plains, like south of Edmonton, Alberta. And that was like the hot idea for a long time. The currently fashionable idea is that people crossed the Bering Land Bridge and then island hopped in boats oh. down because people, now that we know how long ago people arrived in the new world, the ice-free corridor thing doesn't make sense. Like yeah. they were there, they were down in like Chile 
earlier than there would have been a ice free route. So they must have come down the coast. Yep. And there's a lot of interest in these islands around here, meaning that you might find it's plausible that the oldest New World human occupation sites are on, on these islands. On really? Even though the, the shoreline that they were inhabiting is underwater yeah. uh, by a lot. You know, it's a couple hundred feet underwater. Yeah. But that what would have been mountaintops then are mountaintops now, and that you might find very old. There could be like somewhere around here, very very old sites from like the real first people. Man, Would, it'd be hard to find though. Everything is just covered in and, moss. Yeah, it is. But like tie it back to the wolves, right? Where humans who leave things behind that you, that you can find, other than just bones, you know, stone points. Yep. Uh, maybe some artwork maybe some structures uh, here and there. And we still don't know how the hell they exactly ended up where they ended up. And then you have wolves that don't leave around the extra stuff. It's It would just be bones. Um, it It's kind of like we learn so much new every year, it seems, about how things get around. It's like, is this archipelago wolf really different just because we don't know for sure how it got from point A to point B mm-hmm. is kind of the argument that, that pops up to me. I mean, we know like how far Alaskan brown bears swim from, they'll swim to islands that they, you cannot see. Um, Jeez. And you know, it's off of like a scent more than likely, but it blew people's minds when, radio uh callers came out and they're like oh we got a bear swim from this island to this island Mm -hmm. didn't think that was possible yeah oh back to that wolf thing so this is primarily being brought by petition from the center for biological diversity and defenders of wildlife who don't self-identify as anti-hunting organizations but my god you'd get the impression they're they're tied into a lot a lot of stuff that uh would I think uh, conservation-minded hunters would enjoy, and a lot of things that uh, conservation-minded hunters uh, would not like. You know how this is like the shack of love? Mm-hmm. Man, did I get in a big fight out here one time <laughs> uh, with one of our co-owners, with Dan Bogan. Mm-hmm. Me and him got in a huge fight when I said that when I was describing the Centers for Biological Diversity as an anti-hunting organization, he got pissed. Because he can rattle off some good stuff. Yeah, I got pissed. All riled up. Good guy. <laughs> um, okay, Cal, explain the... Senator Heinrich emailed me about this. They were getting closer. Explain Recovering America's Wildlife Act, which is getting close. Okay, so uh, Recovering America's Wildlife Act, or RAWA, is uh, a big package. The the What... This kicked off at least four or five years ago. Um, Big chunk of work done under the Trump administration. And basically, it is a bunch of federal funding for state wildlife and uh, giving state wildlife managers the tools they need uh, and tribal wildlife managers the tools they need to protect sensitive species every state um the tribes were asked to come up with species of concern 
and that that could be plants, pollinators, to mammals. In total, twelve thousand species in the 12, United States. Twelve thousand species, and there is a lot of back and forth on like what should make the list. But basically, states were asked to like give me your top ten, mm-hmm. like give me the most important. Um, and all of a sudden, we have the opportunity to try to get this thing passed. Uh, it's seen a lot of bipartisan support. We need uh, everyone to contact their uh, duly elected representatives and and uh, tell them to get on board. Ideally, co-sign on um, Recovering America's Wildlife Act because if we act fast uh, prior to the end of August here, which is our current session, this could get incorporated and and voted on as part of the big infrastructure package. Oh yeah, which would be lightning fast and and fantastic. Uh, one super encouraging thing is uh, Senator Blunt out of Missouri. Missouri, if folks don't know, is like they have a wildlife program in that state that's like the envy of every single state. Yeah, because when you when you register your car. Like car, like driver, your license plate, right? It's like every chunk, chunk of, it's like a point eight, eight. It's like an eighth of a cent for goes directly to wildlife of all like state associated sales tax. Um, oh, so it's off sales tax. Puts, yeah, he wants to be in a huge amount of money. And it, I mean, it allows that agency to do all the things that all states want to do, like all the educational outreach, the Missouri uh, Conservation Magazine goes out to like everybody. And every couple of years, some greedy uh, state politician wants to reach into that bucket and take money out of it for some other program. And the the public, the citizens of Missouri always smack it down. It's really cool to see. Um, but it, it, you know, it's kind of like a Pittman Robertson type of mm-hmm. deal where it's like, if you brought it up today, we'd probably know a way it would pass. But since it got put in place, people are really proud of it. And, uh, the, um, uh, wildlife agency in Missouri, uh, does, does a great, great job over there. So Isn't anyway, it funny the things that we're so proud of that would, we would never pass that are overwhelmingly popular today that would not have a prayer to pass today. The oh. Wilderness Act, which had like not a 99 to 1 vote in the Senate, you couldn't get that thing passed now. But everybody's so like, oh, good good gracious, we did the Wilderness Act. Yeah. You never get it. Because it's, it's not about the act itself. It's about what people can, okay, well, if I vote for this act that everybody knows is a good idea, yeah. then I get something. Right, and it gets bogged down in that in the in the BS. But um, so yeah, almost a billion dollars for tribes. Um, every state has input, and and it really is supposed to be giving the tools to the states that they need to manage the wildlife. Um, has a lot of bipartisan support, but we need need a lot more folks. So 1.3 billion in dedicated annual funding for proactive on the ground efforts across the country. 97.5 million annually to tribal nations. Hmm. Uh it, this version introduced by Roy Blunt from Missouri, Senators Roy Blunt from Missouri and Martin Heinrich from New Mexico. 
Martin comes on the show often to explain various things. Passionate guy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, really, really good deal. You know, uh, we got a lot of good stuff passed under the Trump administration by uh, folks, you know, writing in and, and, and playing the game, you know, contacting your, your duly elected. And, and we need to make sure it gets done under the Biden administration as well. And a lot of this stuff got got built under the uh, during the Trump years. So if you remember, we had Whit Fosberg, the president and CEO of Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership on, and he was saying that uh, paradoxically, you like that? <laughs> Use of that word? I like how your lips are kind of swollen up from uh, chap, dude. from jellyfish bites. Is what uh, like. <laughs> paradoxically, when there is a lot of discord and discontent and fractious arguing in D.C., is a good time to come in and get conservation work done. Because they're, they can't get anything done. All the contentious shit, they can't get taken care of. And everybody, and, and so they're looking to be like, how that we're doing something. Yes, exactly. And when there's a good conservation bill that has a lot of bipartisan support, the envirals like it, hunters and anglers like it, it lets them sign stuff and do stuff, do feel good stuff. Because right. if not, everybody's sitting back being like, what, the, what are you people doing? That's, that's the deal. It's like, uh, you know, you're, they are your representatives. So you, you can always call in and be like, yeah, I see you're not getting anything passed. Like we, we voted you in there for a reason. What's going on? Yeah. So when they're all like fighting over the calls, fighting over the culture wars and yeah, who plays what sports and whatnot, and they're all fighting about that, (laughs) then they say do some conservation work. (laughs) Yep. Yep. So this, this is a, this is a good one. This is a good one. I, I've already been doing some writing in and some some phone calling. And you covered this on Cal's Week in Review, blow by blow. I have, yeah. I started and then uh, working on an article um, for uh, TheMediator.com. dot com. It's probably already out. Oh, you know, did you come up with that? I noticed on your fillet knife, it says Cal, and someone made it say Caliente. <laughs> Is that your <laughs> is that your idea? That that was my idea. Dude, yeah. that's solid, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that means, Seth? Uh, it's Espanol. Yeah, I know, but hot, hot. Okay, hot. Uh, that's a Casey Hawks original from First Light. Casey Hawks. Yeah, Caliente. I love that. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, you know, another, another interesting news item. We covered this. Arizona, which is the most trail cam in state on the face of the planet recently banned trail cams for the purpose of taking or aiding in the taking of wildlife or locating wildlife for the purpose of taking or aiding. Huh? I sometimes feel like someone could do a quick editorial pass on some of this. Not our stuff, law stuff. Outlawing them, outlawing them, quote, for the purpose of taking or aiding in the take of wildlife or locating wildlife for the purpose of taking or aiding in the take of wildlife. How do you like that? Isn't that the same thing? Yeah. I think what that boils down is you can't use them for hunting. Right. <laughs> Meanwhile, Wisconsin is uh, stepping up on the trail cam game. Wisconsin's starting a thing called Snapshot. Their DNR, so their Fish and Wildlife Agency, encouraging people to get the trail cams out and then you make them online and it has to do with monitoring wildlife and creating a resulting database for management decisions it's a citizen monitoring citizen monitoring wildlife project 
It's citizen science. There are all sorts of awesome, um, you know, bird, plant, bug, down to, you know, constellation uh, apps that you can get on your phone. And folks have discovered species thought to be extinct by, you know, downloading these apps mm-hmm. and being like, oh, what what is this? I, I wrote about a guy in, I think, Columbia who was going in to use the toilet. And a weasel came out of his toilet and stood on it. Yep, I remember that. And took a picture of it. And it was like an, it was a weasel they thought had gone extinct. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So he rediscovered a, a a species that they thought had been extinct, which is super cool. Um, always have your phone with you when you're going to the John. And then uh, <laughs> remember, remember me and the guy that got in the big fight about Center for Biological Diversity. Yeah. Well, I had a trail cam set up on the trail up here, and his uh. Wife used the rest, used the, went to pee and he pulled my card, never got that card back. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, these, <laughs> these cameras are fantastic tools. They're, they're very inexpensive. A lot of people have them for a lot of reasons now. Uh, and, and they definitely can add, add to this. You can also like go and, and we saw like a lot of this come up during COVID where people doing, let's say, like uh, shark research, yeah, but don't have the funds to go out and do an actual, um, you know, a self-assessment of fish stocks, shark stocks in, in this case, they actually like combed through, they got like grad students to comb through Twitter instead and like using hashtags, like pull up recent pictures and say like, well, through these 10,000 photos taken the last X amount of time from these, you know, geo tagged areas. Yeah. Like this is what we have, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, um, it is, it is valuable. Corinne sure. thinks everyone from Arizona who's bummed should move to Wisconsin or she's not here right now, but I'm looking at what she wrote or, uh, if you're in Arizona and you're bummed about this whole thing, go and, explain to your people about this yeah. stuff yeah and, and say like look at man look what we're missing out on i want to know uh chef radulowski's uh take on moving a bunch of arizona folks up to wisconsin and what that would do to the palate up there <laughs> yeah that'd be a no little... spice <laughs> well chet would be a good one to talk to he's the, the wisconsin native but uh um... two brats on a hard roll yeah <laughs> sheboygan hard roll <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, they don't like spice in Wisconsin. Yeah. So. I, some people do, but it's pretty che- cheese and sausage. Remember how we were covering off on that, uh, whether that dude should be allowed to name his kid. His last name's Fisher, and he wants to name it Hunter Fisher. Yep. Someone sent us in a newspaper clipping about a guy named Hunter, last name Hunter, marrying a woman whose last name was Fisher. No, Tyler Fisher, Audra Hunter. Dude named Fisher marrying a woman, last name Hunter. And they made a little uh, koozie to like commemorate the wedding. Yep. It says, party your bass off or get the buck out. <laughs> Fisher Hunter. Fisher Hunter. That's cute. That's more stuff on love. This, yeah, it's a podcast of love. That just seems like you're setting yourself up for something that you got to explain every single time somebody sees it down the road. Like if you want that little memento from your wedding. What? Oh, you know, the Hunter Fisher. And then 
People loved it at the time, I swear. <laughs> so I want to follow up and find out if she took his name or not. If I were her, I would just combine it. Hyphenate it, dude. Da- yeah. And have kids. Right. Name them Joe. Joe Fisher Hunter. No, Joe Hunter Fisher. Joe Hunter, Joe Fisher. Hunter Fisher. I wish my name was that. Do like <laughs> angler or yeah. forager. Yeah, forager Fisher Hunter Fisher. Yeah. Start a little Instagram page. Yeah. That's what they, people your age, that's all you guys think about. Instagram. <laughs> All right, speaking of love, um, Chester, we've had Chester on many times, Danielle. Yes, you have. <laughs> uh, tell people about how little fish you've eaten in your life. Well, let's see. It's pretty shit up creek to none. <laughs> yeah. And who's the uncle? I can't give his name. I'm kidding. It's my Uncle Dale. Uncle Dale. And to be fair, yeah. <laughs> Does he listen to this show? Does he know I, about it? I don't know. <laughs> but... The first time I ate fish was with him, and I was actually five. And he and caught a salmon. He caught a salmon, cooked it up, and but to give to give <laughs> him a Dale little salmon. But this is when you were five years old. Yeah, how do you I remember? I, I have can't a good remember memory. I have a five. good memory. Never forgets. Never forgets a taste. Yeah, that's good. Anyway, it was not a good taste. So when you're five, Uncle Dale went on a fishing trip. You don't know where he went. Nope, don't know nothing. Mooching. <laughs> Working the river yeah. mouths? What was he doing? I I don't know. I all I know is he had a fish, and I had to clear my plate. I was four. Like growing up, you had to clear your plate before you were sure, like, man. Yep. So yeah. he made me eat that whole thing, and I was like, clean your plate, clean plate club. Yep, I was clean the plate. And you clean cl- but, you clean plate club. Uncle Dale's salmon dish, and then took twenty years off. Yep. Well, so yeah, I ended up not eating salmon again after that. But I was I was also young. When you're like a kid, you're so picky. Kids are so picky with what they eat. Right. So I could have just been like, it, you know, I didn't like the taste. I don't know yeah, what it yeah, was. Yeah. But I just, from then on, I was like, I'm not trying that again until I came up here and had some of Andy's salmon. It was delicious. Yeah, but that that also ruined you on all fish. fish. Yeah, it did. I think I had this like persona of like, everything is going to taste fishy. Yeah. And I didn't like, that's the taste I didn't like was the, the fishy taste. So, but I've had fish sticks and I've tried like <laughs> walleye. <laughs> You never go to Long John Silver's or anything like that. We nah. covered it off in this last night. Can't say that I've done that. Nope. Uh, do you know there's a place called Long John Silver's? Did not know that. <laughs> and explain how you cook. Explain how you cook the salmon in order to win. Oh, another quick question. Why did they call you Don? You know, I got the nickname from a guy. Was it that we hung out with a lot? A friend. I I don't know how. It's it's just more fun to say. It's D A H N. Don. Don. You can really Don. Don. <laughs> Depends on you know the mood of the situation. If you're Don or Don. Back to the fish thing though. It's, Danielle's my wife, and <laughs> <laughs> she, doesn't, she doesn't give things a good shot sometimes when it comes to game or fish. But I feel like coming up here i'm super proud of you so like giving it a shot she's been eating fish her ass off yeah i've been is that a sentence (laughs) (laughs) i like it it, though no i knew that was actually coming up here when chester you know told me about this opportunity i was a really excited for like just to see everything out here and be out of my comfort zone because at home i didn't grow up in the woods doing stuff all i did was sports growing up my mom worked a lot so i didn't go camping every weekend with and you my started working when you're nine years old yeah pretty much my dad was never really in the picture so i kind of just been um 
you know, I just worked and played sports and that was my favorite thing to do. I learned, uh, I learned the, you know, meaning of money at a young age. And if I wanted something, I had to work for it. So yep. if I wanted a hundred pair of dollar jeans in high school, I had to pay for it, which why did I do that? <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> but I mean, yeah. I guess I never grew up eating this stuff in Chester as everyone knows he's allergic to it. We haven't covered off on that. Oh, okay. Well, he's my, my husband's a <laughs> old fishing guide who could not eat fish and he's allergic to it. So we don't cook it at home. He's been going gangbusters on the shellfish. He's been going nuts. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself. And you can find what you need in store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash meat eater. Hey man, after years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if you've learned anything, it's that there is always a catch. So, when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, well, what's the catch? But it turns out, there isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash meat eater. That's mintmobile.com slash meat eater. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash meat eater. $45 upfront payment required, equivalent to $15 per month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. Born in 2003 in Knoxville, Tennessee, Sport Dog was forged by a passionate group of hunters and dog trainers who intimately understood the challenges of the field and the special connection between hunters and their dogs. The Sport Dog promise to consumers is simple. Gear the way you'd design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. Now, I've got two good buddies with what I would call really, really good waterfowl 
dogs. And here's one of those buddies, Max. Not the dog, but the buddy. I've used that sport dog collar now in multiple different states, U.S. and Canada. Different temperatures all the way to negative 20 degrees, and it just doesn't stop working. I'm a fan for life. Get 20% off your first purchase using code MEATEATER. So go to www.sportdog.com slash MEATEATER to learn more. So, uh, Andy, explain your salmon cooking. So, Andy lives on uh, San Juan Island, Correct. south of here. But you guys eat all kinds of fish. Yeah, yeah. It's rich in seafood over there. Um, but that salmon the other night actually had quite a bit of a journey to get to uh, to get to the dinner table. <laughs> we uh, well, we got on the silvers up at Frank's and flayed them up, came back and uh, oh, yeah, fired cool. up the grill outside, had all intentions to get a nice little crispy uh skin on that on the on the grill and as we threw it on we had a little propane malfunction grill kind of went down to a little whimper of a of a flame so quick brought it inside threw it in a hot pan and then went to finish it in the oven and the pilot light was out in the oven so we had to start back over but uh all said and done by the time it got there, I put a little honey mustard glaze on it. It was actually pretty dang good. So good. It was, yeah. it was absolutely. Was awesome. Yeah. We, we overcame the. Uh, you like to do a the, skin side down I, well, actually, salmon. If, if the grill. No, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Not skin side. Flesh side down. Flesh if side if side you down. have a ripping hot grill or what I, I prefer, what I have. At, yeah. Give salmon uh, cooking 101. Man. Well, I have, I have a couple grills at my house, but my favorite way to do is I've got a, a flat top grill. So a big cast iron, you know, flat top. And get that thing smoking hot, a little bit of oil and flesh side season, you know, generously, and then flesh side down until that thing just tells you when it's ready and just starts to curl. And that cast irons, if it's seasoned right, you just get up under there and flip flip the whole fillet over, and it's just got that perfect little crust on there. And then finish it with the skin down. You get a little bit of crisp on that skin, and it's uh, money. And you can do that on a on just a regular barbecue grill too, right? Sure, sure. If if you're confident in your grill not sticking, you know, it's it's all about the heat. If you can get that heat high enough and you have a good seasoned season grill uh, surface, it shouldn't be a problem. But in the same note, you can do that kind of stuff in a cast iron pan inside, you know, the, the, what I was explaining about the, the flat top grill. The only downfall of that is if you don't have a good hood system, your house is stinking like fish for a couple of days. Yeah. that You know, if you're really searing fish where it's like, white hot with just that oil starting to smoke that's where you want it to put that flesh side down but then yeah your house is going to stink a little bit my wife used to get mad at me when the bath towels smelled like fish yeah yeah you know three days later you know you've been cooking fish yeah. uh tell us again i asked you about cooking oh talk about how you fry fish well, there's a lot of different... That's good-ass fried fish. That yeah. was so oh, I, good. I prefer breading opposed to a, a batter dip. I mean, batter dip's good for some applications, but I just find it gets... that. Some people get a little too heavy with the batter. I don't like so batter. So you got a half inch of batter. Do you in call there. that batter or breading? Uh, the, like a, a, when you get like traditional fish and chips, that's usually a, a beer batter. Yeah, I know? like that. But a lot, a lot of restaurants or, or home cooks do it where there's just like a half inch thick breading before you get to the fish. And by it's not cooked probably, and by the time it gets into the center, you kind of have that soggy breading in there, and it just kind of mushes the fish out a little. Oh bit. yeah, you give that to your kids, and it winds up being that they eat all that, and then the middle is like some little chunk of fish. Yeah, because they picked all that garbage off the outside of it. 
So I prefer to do more of a uh, a breading on there where I would take usually dry breadcrumbs mixed with a little bit of flour and some seasoning. Sometimes I even throw a little bit of cornstarch in there to give, or uh, like a rice flour, something that's going to give it that real nice crispness. And I usually do the three um, into the flour, into the egg wash, and then press it hard into the into the breadcrumbs. And the key to that is is hot oil. You know, if your oil temperature is too low, three seventy five or below, three fifty or below, you're gonna get soggy fish. Do you aim? I, I typically I aim for three fifty. Yeah, because your oil's gonna the, the temperature is gonna plunge once you put all that cold fish in there. So you so, aim for three seventy five. Yeah, I always go a little hot, and then it comes down. And then another trick is if you're doing rounds, let that let the oil recoup and let it get back up to temp because well, a lot of times you're rushing and you throw it right back in there, but that oil's plummeted so far down that everything's going to get soggy in there. For big groups like this, though, do you have, like, what's your trick when you're doing rounds, like multiple rounds of fried fish, and this would be applicable at your house too, Steve, uh, getting your first batch and your second batch to, like, match up yeah. by the time it, it hits the table in one round. Yeah, it's tricky. We were running two fryers the other night, which is nice. We had actually an uh, electric fryer that kind of, you know, Maintains that temperature pretty well, and then we had uh, and flirts with like burning this whole place down. Yeah, Let me step in here. Everything, everything kind of flirts with that, but I get, uh, I get a Dutch oven line up paper towels. Yeah, take a load off, dump it in there, and don't put the lid on all the way because I want steam to get away. Yep, mm-hmm. that keeps warm. And then yeah. you're just keeping that outside. You're not throwing yeah. it back in the oven. Keep it right next to that. Okay. I think the other trick to good fried fish is well there's a couple couple things is the thickness that you cut it and i've been working on this for for the last couple years just really trying to dial it in too thin and that fish is overdone by the time your your breading's gonna get that nice color on it oh too thick and you're not gonna achieve you're gonna still have a little raw fish before that breading starts to get too dark so it's it's you got to hit right in that sweet spot. Mm. Um, you know how I can see hits out the back of my head when someone's got a hit on their yeah, rod? Yeah. Even on other boats. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's true, dude. It's like a curse, man. I see every hit. Did you see our hit? I could even. I could probably feel it. You could probably hear mine. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, um, frying fish, I somehow, just, like the sound, like the vibe, like, I just can tell when it's done. Oh, you need all your senses to know when it's done. <laughs> you really do. It's, it smells it's something it's like such. the bubbling. Do you know what I'm saying? That's the other trick is to pull it. <laughs> it it's a, it, you almost have to lead it, right? You, you want to pull it when you. Oh, you got to lead it. Yeah. yeah you got to think. <laughs> when you think it's still a little bit raw, that's when you pull it and let it sit for two minutes and then it's boom, it's right there. Yeah. Should be that nice, translucent, like flaky. Because there's nothing worse than overcooked fish. I mean, I was uh, at a gun range in Washington State one time, and I got to talking to the dude next to me at the gun range, and he learned where I was from, from Michigan, and somehow he felt basically that I was from Wisconsin. Um, and was telling me about when he lived in Wisconsin, <laughs> and I kept on being like, I'm actually from, yeah, you know, didn't matter. It was very much like the same region. Wisconsinites really, if you, you think someone's from Wisconsin, there's like an immediate like bonding that you have. You're like, oh, you're from Wisconsin, so I can see why that happened. Michigan, well, no, does the he same was thing. from Washington. 
Oh, really? Met me. Oh, I told yeah. him I'm from Michigan, and he proceeded to talk to me as though I'm from Wisconsin. Like, in his head, just no difference. <laughs> yeah. Right? Anyhow, he was telling me how he almost... He was in the military. I can't remember what the hell he was. But anyways, he met a girl and almost got married. But then changed his mind at the last minute, moved back to Washington. And he said the defining part of the decision is he said, one night I said to myself, do I really feel like sitting around here eating fried fish every Friday? <laughs> That's what I remember thinking, give me that lady's number. <laughs> <laughs> well, we all grew up in the Midwest. I mean, that's... Uh... Well, you, myself, and Chester, but that's a, that's a staple on a Friday night. Oh, dude, fish yeah. fry. I love fried fish, man. And people apologize about it now, but I don't. No. Why would you? <laughs> Andy, how'd you do your sauce? That homemade sauce? Yeah, the sauce tartar sauce was so good. Oh, yeah. That was just, uh, God, what was that? I threw some, some pickles in there. I think a little trick to that is I always spill a little pickle juice into the, into the mayo and give it a little zing. But that had some chopped up capers and garlic and thinking man's tartar sauce. Yeah. Is anyone yeah. hungry yet? It was good. <laughs> you throw pickle juice in there. Yeah. Gives it that get a little lemon juice too. Yeah, it kind of thins it down and it kind of gives it that little little briny goodness. <laughs> mm. Uh Kelsey, tell me your biggest uh like biggest impression, Southeast Alaska impression. Oh my god. I or mean, the this... biggest three, whatever. <sighs> your face is looking better. Thank you. <laughs> Got a little puffy this morning. Yeah. You thought I was all depressed this morning because I woke up with a little congestion and oh. thought I was crying about my engagement. <laughs> but she's, I thought she's Steve, Steve asked if we had broken off. Already. I know. I thought this is going to be awkward as hell like, if they broke off. I'm like, no, I've just <laughs> been here for five days and I'm puffy. Um, this has been the best trip ever. I mean, it's like, come on. For me, never been to Alaska. I've love the scenery the wildlife the fishing like just the experience i don't know if you want to call it an experience but um but like got engaged had all my friends here my dog we had so much fun caught your first halibut caught my i mean caught my first halibut caught my first salmon caught my first greenling like kelp greenling yep yeah. Lots uh, of first. What would you say your biggest strength and weakness, uh, <laughs> biggest strengths and weaknesses as a halibut fisherman are? <laughs> the weakness is reeling for sure. Reeling that sucker up, I'm like, this is a hundred pounder. Tough. Get it up. I don't know what was my biggest one, like twenty five pounds, which is still decent. Yeah, it was. Uh, we never weighed it, but it was twenty five. They're just 30 pounder. they're tough to get in the boat. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably I don't know strength. Uh, my napping skills are pretty Hard high up there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's important. You throw that reel on click, loosen the drag, <laughs> drape yeah. the line over your between your toes or something. <laughs> pretty much. Oh. Yeah, there's a good picture of us all pretty much laid out in the boat, mm -hmm. napping. I heard um, that pulled up and you guys all perked up. Mm -hmm. Oh, we couldn't Same let you position. see us slacking. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you're generally, you generally enjoyed it. Oh, I enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, it's a yeah. great time. And the benefits will last. We have a lot of fish. Yeah, we're going and over I, Spread the love. I love fish. seafood. So I'm going to be remembering this one for a long time. So this means that Seth might as well slow down on walleye fishing. Get right? got all that yep. fish. Hey. Does, that makes sense. <laughs> Pull the reins back there. <laughs> we were talking. Uh, we told you this morning. We're up. You know, we've been here for... 
five days and we've just been fishing our ass off and yeah, it's yeah. been amazing and uh we're going home today but chester and seth you know saying good night to everybody last night the last thing they said was seth was like hey chester do you want to go fishing on sunday <laughs> <laughs> Did they make a little date? Oh, yeah. They made a date already. Like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. Because you guys are becoming tournament walleye fishermen. Next year. Yeah. We're hitting the Montana circuit. We're going to sponsor you guys. Yep. We're going to try and do something super cool with our winnings, too, when we take them all. <laughs> <laughs> if we win. Yeah. You guys, to explain what you're going to do with, all your, with, with your winnings. We don't really know yet. We're going to consult with uh, Uncle Cal over there because he's good with that kind of stuff. Conservation. Um, we'd like to maybe do some fishing access um, stuff. Maybe some fish cleaning facilities. Yep. We got we to improve, the, improve for, some access. Yeah, for the lake that you... Yeah. If you gave the purse money to the leading issue that the lake you won the purse in has around access enhancement, enhancement facilities. Yep. Improving a boat ramp, fish cleaning stations, whatever. Porter potties. Who knows? Whatever. We'll, we'll figure out from someone who knows what the, what the area needs. We might not, we might not win anything. Yeah, we might not. No, win. that's a bad attitude. I'll, I'll tell you what, uh, buddy of mine, is a, a ranger in an area, pretty affluent area, and, and people are always looking to make donations to get the trailheads up to what they think is the shape they should be in and things like that. Uh, but everybody wants like some grand, beautiful trail or something with their name on it, but really what they need are outhouses, and nobody wants their name on a shitter. So, oh. I, man, if you guys the Chester could take off Seth. on a on a on a tear on the walleye circuit and have a shitter named after you at every boat yeah. ramp, I'd be all I about would, it. Yeah, I would call the Go Take a Chester. Yeah, I'd I'd be down to donate a shitter. Shitter, I'd probably pull. use it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you he'd, could cut, work. he'd cut in line all the time. <laughs> you could work in that uh, quality control is part of the deal. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Seth, hit me with your biggest uh, like like Southeast Alaska impressions. I mean, you've been here before, but still. I've been here before. Um man, the I was just I was hooked on the halibut fishing this time around. Last time it was just like cool to see everything. Mm -hmm. But um especially because I struggled. I caught like one halibut the first day and then went a couple days struggling. So that just Made me wanna. Well, you broke your fishing reel. Yeah, oh. I broke. I broke my fishing reel on the first day. Brand spanking new. Brand spanking new, and which made me struggle the rest of the trip, fishing with a broken reel. But um, just man, everything. There's so much life up here. Mm -hmm. Like everything that you can do. I we were out at Frank's trying to catch salmon, and Chester discovered you could vertical jig spinners for for flounder and and uh um sculpins made you feel like you're fishing walleye yeah and you can vertical fish jigging you in just, shallow water you look down you can like five five to whatever 15 feet however you know till you can't see anymore 
but yeah, just vertical jig, and you, it looks like nothing's down there, but all of a sudden you you put that spinner on the bottom and jig it up and down a little bit, and like these little flounder just come out of nowhere. That was cool. All the shrimp, the crab, mm-hmm. bears everywhere, deer, mink running around. I don't know. Out of all the meat eater trips we've ever done, this is still my favorite. Like the meteor trip we did up here was my favorite one out of everything. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. I just like this area. You know, there's all the we're largely surrounded by Tongass National Forest, mm-hmm. and there's always a lot of back and forth. But right, you know, they were going to do uh, hear a lot about the Tongass rolled this rule. Mm-hmm. Um, they're always debating whether to cut a bunch of more road up here to access more old growth timber. Yep. And it seems like that's going to be off again. At least till the next presidential election. Right, cuz what what was your like personal experience with the effects of like some of the logging practices, not necessarily like logging in general, but the logging practices here out in in your area? Well, historically there was effects to the land and effects to the water. Um they would so out here, it's, there's a lot of what's called marine-based logging, where you're coming in on small islands or in areas where there's no road system. And it's like you have to establish a beachhead. You know, like they, they blasted one in over not far from us four or five years ago. Uh, that was on tribal land. Um, they still, they're quitting now, but the, the tribal corporations up here, so Sea Alaska is a tribal corporation here that represents coastal tribes. They own, they have, very expansive land holdings and they up until very recently have been extremely aggressive around old growth old growth logging old growth rainforest logging um and they did a monster cut not far from us and they're wrapping that cut up earlier than expected i guess they weren't getting the yield off that they thought they would but they come in and dynamite in a landing and then they're pulling all that timber out and they raft the timber in the water. Float it. Yeah, they float it in the they create these massive I mean, we're talking about many, you know, hundreds of acres of raft logs when it's all said and done. Uh the weirdest thing about that in these cuts up here is a lot of that incentive to log comes from the death of the mill towns in in that industry. This logging project, when they do it here, that stuff goes from the woods into the water. It goes on barges, and it is shipped in the round directly to Asia. It never sets foot in an American town. No way. Yeah, it all goes in the round to Asia to be milled in Asia. It goes on ships and out the out to the sea. Not milled here. That's yeah, wild. they make shit with it over there, and then we... Bring it by back over. So the land effects are obvious. And, it, and it, they're not all negative, right? Like the clear cuts are amazing deer. If you if you like to hunt deer. Yeah, the fre- fresh growth that comes in there yeah. because this is true rainforest, right? So like when you sit in here and you look, I was looking at like possibly some trees to cut and then trying to imagine what kind of headaches that would cause. Like you have this dark undergrowth that that is really open. But if you were to cut trees out and allow a lot more direct sunlight in, mm-hmm. it's not like that would just remain open with more sunlight. That would then get a bunch of uh, 
growth responding to that direct sunlight. Like a jungle. And all of a sudden the kids wouldn't be able to run back and forth down yeah. here, right? So you got to think about that stuff. But that's well, what's going to happen in those a, cuts. That gives yeah. a, a job to the kids. <laughs> right. Get up there and clear that out. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing worse than like, there's nothing worse than looking at a fresh clear cut. To me, it's just ugly. Uh, it's just it yeah, they're ugly. Not, they're not. I'm not even like I'm not even getting into the. I know the economic stuff and all that. Like it's jobs. I'm just saying, like very personally, very subjectively, to look at a clear cut of old growth hemlock and cedar and Sitka spruce is is home, ugly to me. But man, you give that stuff a few years and it loads up with deer. Yeah. Uh, and then it, and then it kind of enters a long, like not very productive cycle. In fact, when we first started coming up here, we used to hunt uh, a clear cut at the time was like seven or eight years old. It was spectacular, and then it, now it's gotten to the point where it's just nothing. It's too not, thick. It gets too high, too too high, and too thick to hunt. Uh, so there's that advantage. But one of the the unforeseen things, and, and when we had that clear cut coming in where we're at now, this was a big debate: is when you raft those logs, they shed their bark, and there was a cove near here, I mean, very cold. You could see it from here, that they rafted lumber in when they did the cut I was talking about. And it turned that, it's a large cove network. It is a completely sterile environment now. You used to be able to crab it. Like, nothing lives there. Just covered You could the set bottom. all the crab pots in the world in that cove. Nothing lives there. Huh. And it winds up being many, many feet of bark that just suffocates the seafloor. When they put the clear cut in near here, they had to determine an area where they, they I can't remember what they, they, they determined an area they felt was non-sensitive. Um, and some local people pushed back on it, but in the end, uh, they, they rafted the logs in the area where they felt it was a viable place to raft logs. And completely anecdotally, like completely anecdotally, um, and, and take for granted, I'm, I'm not here that much, right? We're we're in and out over a month every year. Yeah. Um. I I can't point to like we shrimp near there and stuff. I can't point to any obvious impact from that, but I don't know that it's not there. Yeah. But they might be more careful about the selection now. But it's a strange process. And the other thing they do here is helicopter logging, um, which is great because then you just select cut. From a from a hunting perspective, the only thing that does is when they helicopter log an area, man, you cannot get through it. It's tough navigating. Oh, it's horrible. Steve dropped me off there one day, and he's like, "Oh yeah, just walk up here. There'll be some deer in there, I think." It just got logged. Should be easy walking. Yeah. And it's like you are crawling underneath trees to then get up on top of trees to then go underneath trees. Yeah, and the topography's so broken. You'd be like climbing on some dead log and you jump on another dead log and also you look down and you realize you're 20 feet off the... You're just like 20 feet <laughs> off like the ground. A, on like a soap <laughs> slippery log, you know, that's like rotten. In <laughs> your rain boots. Right, and you're like, oh, that, that's not good. Nobody's yeah. going to yeah. find me in here ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you know Rocket Money can cancel a subscription for you? They'll even alert you when there's been an increase in a subscription price and negotiate rates for you. I can see my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, Rocket Money can help me cancel it with just a few taps. You wouldn't believe how many people are paying for subscriptions 
they don't use. This happened to me. It's annoying. This helps you find it out and get rid of it. Well, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions and monitors your spending and helps lower your bills so you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. That's rocketmoney.com slash meat eater. Rocketmoney.com slash me eater o'reilly auto parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road o'reilly auto parts offer friendly helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs if you're confused about what part you need like what wipers are going to be the best what replacement headlights are going to be the best go into o'reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. Sport Dog is the most recognized brand in the hunting dog training industry. Born in 2003 in Knoxville, Tennessee, Sport Dog was forged by a passionate group of hunters and dog trainers who intimately understood the challenges of the field and the special connection between hunters and their dogs. The Sport Dog promise to consumers is simple. Gear the way you'd design it. Every product Sport Dog builds is meticulously designed and rigorously tested in the field, ensuring it withstands the toughest conditions you and your dog may encounter. Now, I've got two good buddies with what I would call really, really good waterfowl dogs and here's one of those buddies max not the dog but the buddy i've used that sport dog collar now in multiple different states u.s and canada different temperatures all the way to negative 20 degrees and it just doesn't stop working i'm a fan for life get 20 percent off your first purchase using code meat eater so go to www.sportdog.com slash meat eater to learn more this is my first time diving up here, mm-hmm. um, doing a little little uh, snorkeling and, and free diving, and it's absolutely mind blowing how much life there is when you're looking look just looking at the seafloor here. Like it is, it is a living mm-hmm. seafloor. It's not like sand and and some turtle grass and the occasional crab. Every it's like every square inch of the ground out here in these bays is is alive yeah that's a good point you could put your hand down anywhere and you'd be laying your hand on a living organism absolutely not absolutely. not like silica not just like sand or rock or whatever you put your hand down it's like your hand is laying on living organisms with without doubt so that it would be like another great example of, of steve's like lumpers and, and splitters thing and like how 
the ESA can be used to protect areas. Um, you know, you, you could very well go in, like, if you really want to do a survey of one of these bays that they're going to potentially raft a bunch of logs in, I'm sure you could go through there with the right people and really cover it well and find some, you know, tiny sea star or something mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, not a lot of these left. Yeah. Not well, here. But here, often you're dealing with, in this area, you're often dealing with sort of the most effective tool against environmental degradation is the subsistence community. Mm. Um, and you, it's very, if you're impacting subsistence hunters and fishermen who say that, you know, not say, whose who's food and sustenance comes from those resources, that is a, that's a force to be reckoned with. And, and so for there, it's like, like, you know, they'll push like that's shrimp ground, that's crab ground to select stuff. But recently this corporation here, this tribal corporation that owns most of the coastline here, um, they're going to do a 90, they're, they're going to phase it out right now. And they're going to take a 99 year break from old growth logging. Wow. Wow. Well, I wonder what, which is, which is a like major decision. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's an entire lifetime of work off yeah. for a lot of people, right? Yeah, so. a ninety-nine year hiatus, and then I guess they'll reassess in ninety-nine years. It's yeah, incredible. The, the thinking about the subsistence living up here, too. It's like the a week at the fish shack is like a crash course in logistics. On like, you see this cup of sugar? Where did this cup of sugar come from? You know, uh, Andy's doing the the food spreadsheets for this place. And, you know, uh, you were talking this morning about the kids grand, grabbing random packs of oatmeal. Yeah. You're like, hey, that's uh, somebody's breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> you, <know? laughs> you just ate Thursday's breakfast yep. on Tuesday. Yeah. That's, that's, that's actually one of my favorite parts of this coming up here is is the logistics of getting everything out here and, and making it all work. It's, it's, it's definitely has to be fairly fine-tuned to make it all work or else you're yeah you get yourself in a little trouble well it's so funny because we're not in the middle of nowhere like really if you zoomed out a little bit there are people everywhere there's you know commercial planes flying into uh, a place not very far from here as the crow flies and it's still like you got to really have your thinking cap on if you're going to have your fuel, your groceries, your all the, your stuff dialed for a week, you know. Yeah, yeah, hardware stuff, big time. I'm gonna skip ahead. I was gonna, do, I wanted to hit everybody's uh, primary impressions, oh, yeah. but no, no, I'm skipping ahead to me because you just brought up one of the things I was gonna mention. First, one thing I like the most is the way when a good halibut shows up in town, he never gets caught the first time. Like how bad at aiming they are. Do you know what I mean? Where it would be like, bump, had a bump. Bump, had another bump. Someone else is like, just had a bump. And like, you just imagine him down there. Oh, he's going around to everybody. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes bump. five or six times before someone buttons into him. And like, when one shows up, he's generally going to get caught. Yeah. You know, when you start getting like a, and sometimes he'll, you'll, he'll hit three times before he gets himself hooked. It makes you wonder how they get by. I was thinking I would love to just have like a 
bird's eye view of what's going on down GoPro there. Like old Laura yeah. ice fishing camera down oh, there to watch yeah. how he works the bait. Be, yeah. yeah, because we're up there for, you know, some of these days we're up there for eight hours and not knowing what's going on yeah. down yeah. there. Mm-hmm. And then one really shows up and like, Bam. Or you're Andy yep. and you're just quiet and you just see him over there. <laughs> yeah. And he's got a 50 pounder on. Well, yeah, yeah, Andy, I think it was the, your biggest one, right? That You were so quiet. You like had him on for like three or four cranks. We had no idea. And then he got off and you sent it back down. Then you caught him again. Yeah, he. I had him on for a minute. And then just like Steve was saying, then all of a sudden he came back around and I was going to miss that second time. <laughs> yeah, and but the whole time you were just cool as a cucumber. Meanwhile, yeah, we're like, oh. Can't tip your hand. in our boat, the late 20s boat, when we were reeling something up, it was just chaos. It sounded like childbirth going on. <laughs> Look at me. I, uh, we had Kelsey made this comment. And uh, we were like, okay, like, how much longer should we be here? We're like, oh, I'll give it 20 minutes. And I hear Kelsey go, we've been here six hours. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, we have? Yeah. What? But with that, who got the last minute fish? Andy. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was Andy. Andy. Yeah. yeah. 19 minutes into that 20 minutes, I got a fish. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's calculated. The, uh, the other impression I was going to mention that was based on the one you did is is annoying. It's it's like I have my three kids up here right now. It's hard to have. I mean, it's just hard. It's like a lot of people to manage. All their clothes all wet. Stealing they, snacks. They frustrate me. Like I want to strangle them. But um, <laughs> I do like them to. Uh, I think it's valuable for them to see. Like what goes into utilities. Do you know what I mean like to get, to get a better understanding of stuff? How stuff functions, water, how to fix everything, right? Oh yeah, how to be all moldy and everything. Oh, it's perfect. I'm be all wet and moldy all the time. I'm blown away by your kids. I'm impressed. How to get like how to get your feet so they got trench foot. They're tough. They're <laughs> tough. Two, kids, in 2021. <laughs> <laughs> Man, those kids—they're out there in the pouring rain playing with like one didn't have a, a raincoat on. It's just it was like cold and they just. Going for it. Like, nothing phases yeah, them. Yeah, no, it's interesting. I don't know when people turn into babies, but nothing phases they them. They went out there by themselves in a canoe and came back with three fish. And we were like, what? <laughs> yeah, no, that was good. Yeah, yeah. They, yeah, they drive me nuts. But I do like them to be exposed to stuff. Because yeah, they got, cool. I mean, like at our normal house, they got gravy. Mm-hmm. Gravy. Mm-hmm. Their mom, like, oh, you need the extra snack, you know, like just all the time, man. That's not what she sounds like, but you get what I'm saying. This yeah. is like totally made. Yeah. And here it's like, you have to ration those pretzels or you're not going to get any oh, for the next three like days. Life has just served them on like a platter. I don't think day, Rosie man. liked our boat. She went to Jimmy when we switched kids and Jimmy was like, yeah, she was telling me how many rules you guys have on your boat. Because <laughs> we're all like, every time like it was, we get out there at like 8.45 and about 9.15, she's like, can I have a snack? <laughs> and we're like, we have the whole day to save this, this food. And yeah. next, next thing you know, the, it's open and she's in there. You had the late 20s boat, but all we have experience with is dogs. So we were like... Yep. It's hard we to take were, care of a little like, kid. We're yeah. like, sit. Uh, <laughs> sit. Stay. <laughs> shut up. Never taught my dog how to shut up. <laughs> all right, Chester, hit me with your impression. Southeast Alaska, in a nutshell. Oh, man. In a chestnut in, in shell. A, in, a, in a chestnut <laughs> shell, that's going to be difficult. But first, I just want to paint a picture. I'm like sitting here next to my wife in a little tiny shack, and it's a shack. 
Yeah, we used to call it a cabin. My wife's like, it's not a cabin. Yep. But it's, <laughs> there's fish. It's something less there's, than a cabin. There's fish posters hanging on the wall, books. I got coffee sitting next to me. I'm looking through a window, and whoever painted that window didn't know how to cut very well when they were painting the, I've noticed that. Painting the frame. It's like they were drunk. But in a or way. Or a child. In a way, I like it. So there's paint on the window. I'm looking into like a mid tide, not a low tide. Cal's mother was out on the beach picking. Flipping rocks. That's flipping all that. rocks and digging around for shells. And not 30, no, probably 100 yards past that, the kids were catching salmon not too long ago. And there's boats parked out on a little floating dock that we take out every morning into the into the ocean, basically, into other coves and fish for halibut. And there's di- – Cal and Steve did diving. Like, there's just dough for scallops, and there's just so much life. And it's hard for me to put it in a chestnut shell, but I'm the kind of guy that likes to experience, like, I want to fish for salmon. I want to dive. I want to do all this stuff. And I wish we had more time. It's all here. But – you never got to dive. Never got to dive. Um, so, I mean, it's an amazing place. I could see myself, like, spending some serious time up up here and not getting bored. Um, and, yeah, I just wish wish we didn't have to leave. We got to go to a wedding, which it'll be good. <laughs> In case you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> But I wish we had more time. But I mean, I appreciate you having us up here. Yeah, it's um, hard to leave. I was almost like bummed yesterday a little bit. That it was winding down. Yeah. 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 And I ran out of chew. <laughs> <laughs> Starting to shake. You no. ran out of dip? Yeah. It's good. What's up? Is that why you're smacking that gum right now? Yeah. Because <laughs> you just body like, you, you body wants some chew so bad. Uh, not really. But. Yeah, it's a second piece since we've done this. Is that nicotine gum? No. Oh, it's okay. trident. All right, Don. Uh, impressions? All right. Um, I've already been thinking about this. First of all, I will say I'm so excited to try the food. Like, finally, I came up here, like I said earlier. Chester warned me, like, hey, you have to try this food. That's all we're going to eat. And I, at home, you know, I don't really practice the palette of different foods and so coming up here i already knew i mentally was like okay i'm gonna try some food but not only just trying it it's like we literally caught it just this afternoon and we are packing it where you know i just love the working i like i love waking up the way we got i finally get into rhythm packing the boats what needed to go in what coolers and getting everyone assembled getting all the kids dressed and you know who's going what boat it finally felt like really good to have an order and like go out and really fish and now you're going to that stupid wedding <laughs> catching my first fish was really cool and obviously i think you might have heard it <laughs> i did <laughs> but i uh, hundreds of yards away <laughs> I get we really, thought your boat was sinking <laughs> <laughs> i get really excited even catching like a little you know this big of a fish so out here i knew it was going to be a different experience so the fishing was great the halibut was incredible um i will say another one actually i really enjoyed was when you took julie kelsey and i to shrimp for the first time mm-hmm. it was just a perfect setting it was cool that you taught us like what to do like you didn't just like you really just told us what to do and i felt like it was cool 
Because sometimes people will show you physically, but you like literally just told us you need to do this, you need to do that, go for it. And obviously, we looked, Kelsey and I looked at each other like, oh shit, right, we, we go. gotta pull it together. <laughs> and it was really cool to watch the process. And then on our way back, seeing that killer whale, that was one thing I really wanted to see on this trip. I was like, just the marine, so bio, like, you know, the wildlife is just so different than what I've seen. Cause also, you know, I'm scared of everything. And out here, I feel like, I got some acclimation. I'm not scared of bears anymore. I saw a lot of bar- bears. Not scared of killer whales? No. I, I literally was so excited about them. So you, you, guys were, were you were profoundly influenced by Free Willy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I guess when I watched that a lot when I was a kid, and I just loved that whale. And I just think that they're just like a, a boss of the ocean. I don't know. They're just something different. I mean, you see blue. I feel like you would see. I see. I've seen different types of whales in California, like the humpback. I just never really seen a killer whale unless, you know, unfortunately I went to SeaWorld once. But I will say Danielle approached this trip with the way that she approaches everything in her life, which is like feverish enthusiasm and fun. And it was really cool to watch you do that. Yeah, I was pretty excited. You guys were fishing off the boat, and I was like, there's a whale! Uh, yeah, you, almost got, you, got a yeah. bit, you got a little teary. I got really close to tearing. Yeah. I was like, whoa, <laughs> that's really there. It was, I don't know, I just felt like I really want, yeah. And then my last impression is, for photography, I just visually, like, I, so I obviously photograph weddings and people a lot, and I knew I really wanted to grow my visual um, artistic abilities out here, and I really wanted to, you know, look at life in a different way and versus just when you photograph people, it's such a different, it's so different than photographing stuff like this. And to be able to go home and show my experience, like through documenting it and like, not just like, oh, here's a pretty picture, like really documenting what, like how we fish, not like the pretty picture. And anyway, it was really exciting. Uh, what, what's your range? Like, to, like plug your uh, wedding photography business. Oh, yeah. Um, my name is Danielle. My wedding photography business is Danielle Lopez Photo um, on Instagram. Uh, what do you mean? What's my range? How far do you travel to photograph a wedding? Um, I, I'm actually wanting to travel. Like That's my whole goal is to get out and travel. Because I, I guess because I love being a visual learner and visual artist, I would say Bozeman's getting saturated. Like I'm in the same venues, same areas, and I really flourish when I'm in new places and I see different, because I feel like I see things differently than others. Yeah. Hard to explain it, but that's also why I feel like I, I'm meant to do this job because I see things differently than others. So being out here, I was like, oh, you know, constantly. And so, and so people, if they want to see your wedding, do you post your wedding photography on that? Yeah. It's on Instagram. Yep. What I, is it again? So it's Danielle Lopez photo, um, on Instagram. And people can hire you to come photograph their yep. wedding, but yeah. you kind of filled up now. Um, next year is getting there. Um, I, this year I've, I'm at 21 weddings. Um, Killing and next, it. next, next year it's not even like, I'm already at like 10. So, and I have like eight emails to answer. So how many it's do you exciting. do a year? Um, I think I'm capping it at 20. But I really wanted to trigger more of like the intimate, like smaller weddings, because I feel like that's just where it is. It's not about like all the glamour and like the details. I just love like capturing connections mm-hmm. and and actually like genuine photographs. In oh my yeah, opinion. cut some people off the list. Like you don't need to invite the- everybody. Call down. Yep. Call Don. Come down, I'm here. Don. I'll bring. Oh, <laughs> let her capture your yep. intimate moments. Yeah. The one thing <laughs> I will. Them. The one thing I'll add about this trip that I, I mean, the down only downfall is we ran out of booze. Yeah. We had no beer. We're, we're cutting up fish. Like, hmm, how can we make a cocktail around here? Back when I drank a lot, we used to buy. <laughs> 
cases of vodka and leave it up here. Cases of handles. Well, there's some. We, we drank a little crazy with the liquor, but we ran out of beer. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me up here and Chester up. It just the invite was incredibly special. Yeah. Thank you. Great. All right, Chef Andy. Impressions. Well, plug your business. <laughs> Yeah, are you still doing catering? Yeah. Yeah, well, everything kind of plug away, man. Kind of slow down. What a creative little table full of people. So cute. Yeah, that is cool. <laughs> well, obviously, I've, I've been fortunate enough to come. This is my 13th straight year coming up here. So, Are you serious? Yeah. Yeah, 13 straight years. Um, so I feel very, very lucky to be a part of this. And obviously, that being said, I've made a lifetime of memories over those 13 years. And that's kind of the obvious is is the company up here is just great group of people and over the years we've i've got to meet so many different people because like here it is like a table full of people i've never met before and it, over the years it's been it's been that way there's always you guys are always bringing in quality people here so it's it's been it's been a pleasure getting to know so many different people through the course of the last decade plus up here um and then that being said being able to be a big part of this and and put my culinary spin on things and and be able to cook for people, which tends to bring some sort of joy to people, I guess. When you when you have good food in a setting like this, oh, my yeah. wife, yeah. Are you kidding? My wife uh, is like when she's planning on coming here, she's very interested in overlapping. <laughs> yeah, she, she checks my schedule. <laughs> she wants to know what she wants to know what it Andy's schedule brings gonna be. it up. Um, next well, that being said, I I. And one of the biggest things for me is I, I catch myself a lot just kind of laughing, just like the pure like spoils of this place. Like any given night, I'll be staring down the barrel of literally hundreds and hundreds of dollars of, of seafood like on the market. like, uh-huh. And I've got just all of it at my disposal to, to play with. It, sometimes it's just mind-boggling like when I'm looking at all this fresh dungeness and and prawns and and halibut and i mean it just it's sometimes it's like overwhelming and the fact that it's it's so direct because you i mean you go to the grocery store and, and you're seeing that nice little packet of, of cellophane salmon and you think about the the fishermen the deckhands the the processing ship then it goes to the you know to the canneries then to the truck driver to the you think about how many, and then the grocery store handler, like how many people have their hands in that? We're here. It's like you're waking up in the morning. You're going to get that personally processing and taking great care of that product only to then turn around and like be able to share it with people. Not only right now, but then down the line, we take the care to package it, you know, rinse everything really well, get home. On that snowy, you know, December night when you're cracking that pack of halibut open and it's like, you guys are right there. Yep. That's yeah. one of my favorite parts of this whole place is like, and then I take that and then share it. I mean, I could, you know, dozens and dozens and dozens of people have experienced this fish from this cabin through the years that I've, you know, I just give the stuff away a lot. Just like. Hey, you guys need halibut for your dinner night? Here you go. Like, I, I love being able to take this experience and then pass it along. So that's cool. This place is, yeah, this place keeps on giving. All 13 year, years. All year round, this place keeps on giving. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, man. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm looking forward to many more. <laughs> Cal, I, did, you, did you hit your impressions yet? Then we're going to wrap it up because Seth's got to get on the old airplane to go to that stupid wedding. <laughs> Sorry, Bill. <laughs> it'll, it'll be a fun wedding. 
<laughs> Chester, oh, did you get your speech done? No. Oh, yeah. Can you want to preview your speech for everybody, Chester? Yeah, Chester's the best man. That's like... <laughs> we have to go, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I hope this guy's... I hope his wedding's great. You're going to say some nice stuff about her. Give me an idea. Her? Oh, about her? The bride. Oh, beautiful. Uh, you say she's beautiful? Ashley, you're Truly. too good for Bill. Okay. Since I'm the best man here at this wedding, um, <laughs> I don't know why you're not marrying me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there's, there's one joke. Scrap no, that. Um, <laughs> No. You don't want to talk about it. No, I'm just going to I'm gonna have some talking points that I'm going to write down and just kind of wing it in a way, but have some structure to it. Yeah. It'll be you good. You're going to throw some jokes in? Yeah, you yeah gotta... probably. They'll Speech be bad. <laughs> They'll be bad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> but why not? So you're going to say something nice about her, say something nice about him. Tell a little story in there yeah. about how... He was so drunk. Yep. No. Yep. Um and you know toast I think you and mention uh, the chicken politi- uh, petition. That's a good one. Oh yeah, they, they started a petition. They um, had a serious chicken petition that they started. So that'll be something. Oh, they're chicken crusaders about. to try to be allowed to have chickens in their yard in Belgrade. <laughs> they're going hard on it. Okay. When you see Seth, when he's got his shirt buttoned, unbuttoned down to his belt, smoking a cigar, and he's got a tie tied around his head. Oh, do you see that picture? Hand. Send him home. Wasn't that? The, that's, that's my the favorite Seth. Send him home. Seth look. The minute he ties a necktie around his head as a headband. Okay. No, we didn't, we didn't no we're ready to party. <laughs> I didn't do that at Chet's wedding because we wore bolo ties. <laughs> that was part of it. So if he's got a bolo tie around his head like a headband, send him on. <laughs> Copy. All right, Cal. Oh, Did you already do yours? Nah, yeah, yeah. Can we, lots of life. Can we Just give like a shout that. out to yeah. Cal's mom? Yeah. Oh, quick? my God. Yeah. Oh, Cal's mom. Crushed it. She crushed Julie's it. Julie's awesome. Yeah, we got to meet Callahan's mom. mom. That was his date. Yep. Uh, Shack, oh, yeah. Shack of love. So, I mean, that's that's <laughs> the the coolest thing, you know. I'm I'm 38 these days, and and that's the first trip that my mom's or my mom and I have ever done. Um, really? Yeah. Yeah. And she, I mean, she loves this this stuff, and I knew she'd take off out here. And and she's she she's very comfortable working uncomfortable not working so yeah, she loves yeah. little jobs and stuff like that and so um it was it's nice just being when the first float plane takes off and it's got your mom on it and steve ranella like you know that uh they're gonna get along just fine because they're gonna have plenty of things to to work on at the fish shack plenty in of your absence. <laughs> yeah <laughs> she was a hoop um and yeah so that was a, re- a really really cool deal and uh, i know she'll be talking about this forever she's she's in heaven out here and um oh man i i haven't been up here i came up a lot after my first stay because we did and ended up coming back here for a show and Mm -hmm. and something else so i I got like a lot in the first year or two years and then uh, i haven't been up here in like five years and and yeah it's just like it's just like another spot on that list of places that you're just like aching to come back to before you actually leave, which makes it hard. So you're like, God, I, uh, I hope uh, you just want every day to be like the best day. And we've been putting in big days. This this is a killer crew. takes takes 72 hours up here for folks to settle in, get in a rhythm from from what I saw this trip. And uh, figure out how to dry their socks. Yeah, mm-hmm. just, you know all the things. The dryer. And uh, yeah, we're breaking up the band too soon. 
Oh, we're sad. All right, well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Special edition. Shack of Love. Thanks, Coming Steve. at you. <laughs> Thank you. Not live from the fish shack. Shack of Love. <laughs> Let's go catch some fish. Let's go. Tune in next week. Hey guys, turkey season is in full swing right now, and if you are planning on getting after it, make sure to pick up some Meat Eater Phelps turkey calls to stuff into the old turkey vest or into your fanny pack right now. I carry a few different things. I like to use mouth calls, and I like to use pot calls. Mouth calls or diaphragms, I like them because it gives you hand-free calling, meaning when you're working a bird up close... You can have your gun on your knee, finger on the trigger, ready to roll, and still be making turkey sounds. I like pot calls. I just like pot calls. I enjoy calling with a pot call. Whatever direction you go, including a box call, which I don't personally use too much, but they're fun and great, and I started out with them. Yanni, on the other hand, one of my main turkey hunting buddies, he loves box calls. And what's funny is I'll now and then look to him and give them the look that means get out your box call and find us a turkey. So it's not that I don't like them. I just have Yanni use his. Then I don't have to carry it. Go to Phelps Game Calls. Get calls that are made in the USA and get calls that'll get them close. Find yours at phelpsgamecalls.com today.